0: Okay Daniel how's it going? Tremendous Edward. How are you?
1: I hear that you are in the developing nation that is North London and you have no power.
0: Yeah exactly. White out. Exactly that. And so I apologize for my the sound quality today everybody.
1: It, it'll it'll be fine. Yeah people will be able to hear you. I, I had a tech fail I I you may have caught Listeners may have caught the conversation I had with a group called Newcastle fans against Sport in midweek, where we had a tech fail and decided it wasn't going to record anything. So I just had to rely on the backup. So that was just about okay. Talking Newcastle, bit bit
0: crap today, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was also not entirely surprisingly crap, I don't think. Yeah. And part of it is we can really just easily explain away and say we don't have Casemiro and we're shit without Casemiro. And we yep. also don't have Ericsson. And that would be a yep. really simple way of saying that. Problem being that, is it two more games without Casemiro? Yeah. Um. So games that we actually will need some points out of. Um, Brentford and Everton, yeah. But also, there's a pattern here that we've been getting crap over the last few weeks. We haven't scored for three league games now. Yes. Players are tired. They're not going to become any less so.
1: Yeah, and I think and it's only two wins in eight or something like that. It's 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 not a good record recently, so yeah, players clearly are
0: tied. And we're not good in a big away games. I think that is fair to say. We've lost yeah. them all, and yeah. with good reason. All,
1: all very true, yes. I mean, Casemiro clearly makes a big difference. And the fact that he will have missed, I think, what, seven and two halves. Premier League games through suspensions this season is could well be very telling at the end of the season. United aren't able to control or screen in the same way, like two important things in midfield. And so without Eriksen, there's, there's really no one to do the build-up. And that's why I think you saw Bruno in quite a deep position today, basically playing as a left-sided number eight. It didn't work though, did it? United weren't able to weren't able to build up from the back, weren't able to build through midfield. Tried those long balls that were quite effective against Newcastle in the cup
0: final, uh, but weren't today. And and we really created almost nothing. Today. I mean, I think I think we'll be okay for the top four because the other teams aren't any good, and we are better than yep. they are. But and we and Casemiro and Eriksen are both coming back. But yeah, yeah. This I think what the the only real positive was probably. I mean, I hope that we might have seen the last of uh, Big Vout because even though we were still crap when Martial came on, we looked like we had a bit more threat and Vout was crap today again because he was was dreadful. He 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 kind of is.
1: Yeah, during the international break, I think it was who was it against? It was against Malta? I can't remember. It wasn't one of the games that Vecos played, and the Dutch journalist asked him if they'd played the game for another 48 hours, would he have scored?
0: what really and good what it question means,
1: i'm not sure about that
0: <laughs> which was refreshingly honest from both of them i thought i i mean that is such a bizarre question ten Hag got a funny question at the end today where they said something like so do you think that you would you, you hope the team will start playing a bit better now just one of those statements <laughs> that is a question yeah. and no I, think, I don't think so previously i think it was before the liverpool game he said You've answered your own question there. Actually, I don't think it was Liverpool. I think it was a, Euro- a European game. He said he got asked that kind of nonsense, and he said you've answered your own question there. But he he also had a bad game today, I would say. I it's thought- some interesting
1: I- changes, weren't they? And and like he gambled right at the end. Obviously, going to three at the back didn't seem to make any difference because United really didn't actually create a chance after that. Well, that's and because... that's took a long time to make the changes after a very poor first half, I thought. I just I mean, wonder
0: if... whether they were trying to play within themselves for that first half, but it turned out they were just playing badly. It feels like that is something they've done a little bit this season, particularly because the game's just coming, so, so many games, that it feels like they've kind of been playing within themselves a lot in first halves and then kind of going for it more in the second half. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to stay in the game. And we've actually seen that in some of the big away games where they're quite circumspect at the beginning, and it feels like they do need to show a bit more Bronca. But back to the substitutions, I didn't think that Anthony should have been taken off because he had the beating of Byrne. The problem was he wasn't, we weren't getting him enough of the ball, I felt. And then the substitutions at the end, it felt like it was a bit long to go to make, that, to make those kind of changes where you're completely compromising the structure of the team. I would say that kind, that sort of last five minute activity, that where you just chuck on a bunch of strikers. But also, when you take off Martinez, particularly in the absence of Casemiro, how are you trying? How are you going to build up? Who's going to be yeah, passing? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand that chain. Even if I say, even if we can sort of understand the the formation, I didn't understand why he took off Martinez, who basically is our main passer out from the back, particularly with yes. Ericsson and Casemiro on there, and. I, I mean, I'd be interested to hear the rationale for that.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard it since since the end of the game. It, it was odd taking both the centre backs on and bringing another one on. I, I'm yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't quite work it out. Certainly going to street, back, the backs okay. And if you you play with the full backs, you can at least kind of cover the wide areas and the channels for any overloads. So I mean, like the structure fine, but yeah, taking both off and Martinez is 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 odd. I mean, United had a problem with build up for the whole game basically, because you had Fernandez dropping deep into what was basically a four-three-three, And he's supposed to be the build-up guy there with some protection behind. But you can't play into the channels because course doesn't run. And Anthony gets it, but he likes it you know, like wide and from deeper positions. He doesn't run into the channel for the ball over the top. So which meant that Marcus is the only ball and didn't get it to him very often at all. So the whole structure felt a bit odd. It's it's one of those things where you start seeing the weaknesses in the squad and Ten Hag has to make compromises to try and cover for it. And it didn't work today. And and I think probably tiredness is a problem as well, which we talked about previously and was always likely to be the case with the, the amount of games they're playing and, and also and lack of rotation earlier in the season. But it really did feel like it after United you know, went down and there was no real sudden
0: oomph. You're like, OK, there, there's nothing in the tank yeah I mean, I also think that Newcastle, I mean, we we saw some footage of Eddie Howe and oh my gosh, how absolutely miserable it was to see him happy. But him speaking to the players in the dressing room afterwards and he said, "We've been that was a reward for the work we've done the last two weeks. And that to me crystallized one of the major differences between the teams that United haven't had two weeks for this. Their players have been away. Most of Newcastle's players haven't. So they were able to work on a plan for this game and really get grooved into doing what they wanted to do. And to go yeah, back yeah. to the subs also, I guess I can't decide if I was pleased we were spared or disappointed we didn't get the spectacle of Maguire coming on, lumbering on instead of Lindelof, to collect the armband and then come and give us a fronting up interview subsequently. That, that should be his role at the club, shouldn't it? Just just come and do Fronter the apology upper. interview. Yeah, that's it.
1: Chief Fron- say uh, He doesn't have to prove himself at this level after all. So that's what he can do. Back to Eddie Howe. I I can't stand his smug face. I really can't. And the fact that he's still refusing to say anything about the ownership. He won't now because he said we we know what he is. He's 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 going to pretend that he doesn't know anything. As John, who I spoke uh, to midweek, said that he's been to Riyadh twice now and still
0: doesn't know anything about the country. (laughs) It's funny because he's so keen to let you know how much he knows about every single other thing. It's just his one yeah. thing that he that he won't know about, that he cannot possibly know about, when he just oozes smug and conceit from every pore of his nappy rash face. God. Oh, you really want to slap it, don't you? It's if just... It looks like someone uh. already has.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so grim, really. Him, his personality, the total denial about what is happening, the fact that it's always just the hard work. That's the only thing. That's the only reason that Newcastle have gone from relegation fodder. Oh, and tactical genius. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was... I I want to talk about their lap of honour after the game as well, because... That was quite a spectacle. I mean, it didn't half smack of small time when they were walking around the pitch, basically like they'd won their cup final, which which I guess they think they have after they actually
0: lost their cup final. Very very odd. So, and I I I mean, they also there were were photos in the dressing room afterwards. That kind of that kind of team photo. Just I just I mean, I, I guess if it works, it works. But it just it seems strange that you wouldn't be encouraging your players to just look at that as another game. You congratulate yourselves on having won it. Obviously it's a big thing, it's still a big thing to be united, but the posing photos I don't know just that seems to me to be something that comes not where you beat this version of united when they're not your rival I don't know. Yeah. I mean I mean I don't want to I don't want to police their celebrations particularly. I want to police their brutal owners but yeah it did did seem it did seem quite quite weird they're doing a I think they're doing one of
1: those all or nothing documentaries aren't they at the moment as well which is yeah I'm sure we'll get to see lots and lots of total denialism or or propaganda when that one comes out by the way talking to which sorry for uh, the diversion but did you see the performative nonsense from Aaron Ramsdale in the in the Arsenal all or nothing clip that came out this week where he's so so gutted and had to be consoled about conceding a goal in a 4-1
0: win he's oh man the thing is is i was about to start insulting him but he he might also be all right i think i mean he's obviously not all right in the world of football but i can see the number one to be a goalkeeper you do need to be slightly weird and he is slightly weird and you do need this obscene confidence in yourself and he he's sort of a casillas goalkeeper where things just hit him he seems to almost be diving out the way of them and somehow they collide with his ludicrous face which happened in the sporting game i think that i was was out for work where he comes out and he gets beaten except he doesn't get beaten because it clocks him in, it clocks him in the physic. but i i do not like Aaron Ramsdale he goes well, about he's... like he's like like he's this big figure in the in the game yes but i guess i'm sort of hoping that he's going to be the goalkeeper of the league champions and what state of affairs that is Deary me,
1: dearie me. He he. Uh, he's obviously got massive Joe Hart vibes about him, and uh, I mean, maybe that's just the as you say the weirdness. I mean, David De Gea does not have that at all. He whatever the the opposite of big Joe Hart vibes is, David De Gea <laughs> gives that off instead. And he's kind of a shrinking violet, isn't he? Little Chris Turner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What what did you think about Newcastle's first goal, by the way? Because that was a cross. It was very close to him. Uh, too, I felt... too much to say. He could have
0: got a hand on that. It's hard to say, isn't it? But we're obviously all thinking it because, like, both their goals came from balls flash in his six-yard box. It felt like the first one. He followed it to the back post, even though he had no chance of getting it. And the guy, he it, it, it was, it was only coming back across because there was no way. I can't remember who headed it back, but he was. He wasn't. He wasn't heading for goal there. And it felt maximum, like, yeah yeah, it was just some But if it stayed where he was, he might have been able to get the knock back. The cross itself was flat and fast, it was a good goal in fairness, I mean, terrible from us, both goals, but their bits that they did for both the goals were done were done well and properly, but you just can't help but notice, even if it isn't his fault, thinking, would a different goalkeeper have managed to affect this in some way again, like he wouldn't be the first player I'd change because. I think that a midfield player and striker are more important and a right back probably, but I would like to change him too.
1: Yeah. It, it, interesting this week, it came out that he turned down United's contract offer. I, I'm presuming it is a significant reduction. And, and- Ten Hag may be making that calculation too—that there are things he needs to change before he changes De Gea. It, it is odd though, because like if you look at De Gea's numbers this season, they are everything is on the downslope. slope. I mean, obviously he never claims a cross, and his pass completion rate is pretty awful, and he goes longer than anyone else. Because Ten Hag doesn't trust him to play out from the back, and there were a couple of moments today, weren't there, of squeaky bum time when he when he gets the ball at his feet. But his save percentages are falling too, Even though he made a couple of excellent saves, double save in the first half, really important. Another one near the end of the game, pushed down to the crossbar. But his overall numbers are not great this season. He looks now like a bottom half of the Premier League keeper. Not a top half of the Premier League keeper, let alone the worldie that we'd like to have there so yeah a big call if if they uh, decide to keep him which they appear to be doing because it's cheaper than shelling out 70 million on diogo costa or whoever it is that would be the replacement
0: yeah i i mean david 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 rye is quite good as well i think probably be a cheaper option i but it depends we just yeah obviously we don't know what's going on with the ownership either so we don't know how much money is going to be available i mean if the worst happens and we get bought by Qatar. We could probably have whatever we want. Yeah, oh, for sure. It'll yeah. just be hollow and dead and appalling.
1: Yes, it, it was interesting. And and by the way, I encourage everyone to to go have a listen if you can stomach it after today's result. But talking to the John heard in midweek, how he's approaching because we're all going to have these 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 questions to answer, probably right. Let's let's be honest. The likely outcome is is Qatar win this bid. And there are you can take the Eddie Howe route and just pretend you don't know anything, and I would say that's going to be seventy five percent of Manchester United supporters, maybe more, and just yeah, not be bothered. Or you can kind of make the argument that was that has been made, which is well, we'll change them, which is obviously nonsense. And and John said, yeah, that's obviously nonsense. Or you can you can you can walk away, which I'm I'm sure there will be many fans doing that. I'm sure if if former host Paul was on this pod right now, that that's what he'd say. He just wouldn 't feel like he could bring bring it to support the club, or you can do what john did and and start a campaign and and someone 's got to provide that counterweight right so what's the so, what, and, what does the campaign do what 's the aim of the campaign his, his His aim is to keep the conversation in the spotlight because he believes that the only way of of ending the what he believes is a cascading effect of 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 sport washing states coming into the game. He said the only way to stop that is a grassroots campaign. Now it feels like he is pissing into the wind there for sure. And and that it'd be very easy to have a cynical take and go, you can't do anything about. It. But that, that's what he's trying to do with a few other supporters. And this week they put out a press release with Manchester United supporters who are against sports washing and the potential qatari takeover Not, none do me so you know some other fans who want to keep that campaign in the media and put pressure on their local politicians and on the the, the independent regulator when that comes in and the premier league to say that that state wealth it has this awful distorting impact and and yeah it's likely to get worse from here because it once qatar have two clubs Saudi may want two clubs, so may Abu Dhabi, so may someone else, and you know what what we're going to end up with networks of either states or multi club
0: corporates playing each other,
1: basically in one format or another.
0: Deciding what happens is aside from just the playing each other, they'll be event if they have a critical mass of clubs, they'll be they'll be taking decisions, and and it's just one of those things because the reason why this just one just it just feels so hopeless is that because like, always with the Glazers there's always the hope that at some point maybe they'll leave or that what they do is not so immoral that it's not possible to enjoy United being good under them whereas this is kind of I'd I, I, I probably knocking it, will knock it on the head if Kata, if Kata take over and just the prospect of that of having no more Manchester United in my life is yeah. obscene and I don't really understand exactly how I how I might cope with that situation, but it doesn't feel like to me like I'd have too many options. I mean, I don't that having United taken away from you forever just feels like more or less the last thing I want in my life, and it feels well, desperate. Well, sure, because- yeah this time no one really seems to care that much there's nothing like no one's really protesting this in advance of it happening and i feel the same about mason greenwood that it feels like something atrocious is in the works and no one's doing anything to stop it it and it will and when it becomes a fact it will be too late whereas mason greenwood actually feels like something that if there was enough fuss in advance that might be something that we could stop but no one's doing anything and the there'll come a point where it, there'll be facts on the ground if ten half decides he wants to keep greenwood and it does seem like that is the case like matt hughes sort of wrote for the daily mail wrote that i've i've heard that too that the club would get rid but the manager thinks his manager would is happy to work with him we should be protesting yeah. that now and all the other thing about and then if we go back to kata in particular i mean I mean, it's really just a really simple thing. Do we want United to be synonymous with abusers and thugs? Yes or no? And- yeah, I, I
1: thought you put it really well on Twitter yesterday when you said we're sleepwalking into this. And do, is that what we want? Yeah, it, it is really simple, and and we we have we have so much experience with this now, like understanding what the sports washing playbook is. And I mean sports watching in the broadest sense. And weaponizing fans is very much part of that playbook. And getting the media to both sides, a controversial issue, is very much part of that playbook. And, and giving a permission structure for people to continue like supporting, quote unquote, the club, now the propaganda arm of the Qatari state, if that's what happens. like it, it's, it's, it's a playbook that's well known and we're well versed in it, but it works. It works very well. And just look at what's happened with Newcastle and weaponising the fans there. They are so desperate. In fact, it's, it maybe even works even better when you have a club that has historically had a lack of success because the fans are so desperate for it. They'll take anything. And as John and... said, they'll take anything. And and he said, like, they feel like they're being victimised when anyone questions the ownership because they feel like it's an attack on them. And so We've they waited... go to war.
0: We've waited so long for this. It's just the lads. I understand they should never have been in that Mike Ashley situation, but no football club has the right to success. It's our turn and people are ruining it for us. No, no one has the right to anything. What I find surprising is also that fans of other clubs don't really seem to care. And the reason why they should care isn't for us, isn't because poor Daniel Harris and Ed Barker want to be able to enjoy United's success without feeling guilty. It's that if you've got City, Newcastle and United owned by nation states, then that is bad news for anyone else that has Danes on winning titles or yeah, getting, into sure. the, getting into the Champions League. United plus state wealth is awful for the competitive balance and awful for every single other club, not just in England, but in the world. United's financial might and commercial power and state wealth. You do not want this. You do not want it at all. But no one. that's right. It. And
1: there should be every single club should be every single fan of every single club should be against that, including United fans. Obviously, I think that I know that I'm in the minority there. Oh, well, I feel I sense that's probably the case. But you're right. United will be able to benchmark sponsorship, every type of sponsorship against the highest in the world, because in many cases, United's has been the highest in the world and the commercial machine has slipped back. Uh, And they will be able to funnel state wealth through local sponsors at the highest benchmark. So expect, you know, and, and obviously there'd be much money put into infrastructure to increase the revenue there. So you can expect it won't be that long either before United are able to blow other clubs out of the water financially. And in fact, that was the policy. We know it now. That was the whole point, the destabilizing impact of the Neymar purchase was to like make the pool in which some clubs are fishing as small as possible, right? So they so you, you raise the the bar for wages and fees everywhere and it makes it as hard as possible to compete. And that's what United would be able to do. And and then it just comes down to the management props, corporate management props that is, of of the the owners. And I mean there's not a great record there at PSG, let's be honest. And the difference though is Shake j- j- right was well, yeah, there's competent manager and, and that does make a difference. But, but yeah, this is not good for football at all. And there's nothing in the white paper on the independent regulator that will stop this. That's all. The only thing I think that could stop it is enough grassroots support like the Super League, which, as you say, doesn't appear to be happening. Or UEFA. But I think Seferin's interview a couple of weeks ago
0: has raised the white flag. They're not going to do anything. Yeah, I think the only way we stop this is if the other clubs make enough of a fuss. And that's that's really the only hope that I have, I think, at this point, that the things that we're saying other supporters should be worried about, their owners have a financial vested interest in that. Yeah. They will be, they will be worried about it and they will make a fuss, I hope, I imagine. But, but what's the bigger thing they're going to fuss about? Because that, that
1: happened with Newcastle as well, right? And... In the end, what happened was: yes, no one wants another club there competing for a Champions League spot. But secretly, FSG, the Cronkies, even Clear Lake at Chelsea, because they will want to—that's the model, right? They—they are majority owners in that consortium. They want out. That's the whole point about private equity. West Ham's up for sale; may go to the guy from the Czech Republic, who's partial owner has an option on it. Everton are up for sale. Spurs, because it's Enic, are always up for sale and Joe Lewis is like 90-odd at the moment, they all want an exit as well. And if it's not American private equity, it's state wealth that are their best, most profitable exit routes. And so I think they're going, well, competition for European places, not good, but hey, we don't actually want to put a block on state wealth because that reduces the competition to buy our club at a later point. And I I think that's the tension. It seems to be falling on the latter. And, And so I don't expect... Premier League clubs to vote against United, and they couldn't anyway. I mean, Newcastle was waved, waved through. So, what are they going to do? That one was okay, but this isn't. It's all very grim, Daniel. I mean,
0: yeah, I. I mean, I said this when we when we beat Newcastle the Wembley. That enjoy this one because it might be the last one that doesn't come with an asterisk.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Is depressing stuff. I don't know where I'd I'd be on on this. I've compartmentalised the Glazers for eighteen years. Been very consistent in my my analysis and opposition, right from the the right at the beginning. So, you know, you can go back and see the archives that weren't deleted by my internet provider at one point. And it's like kind of one thing compartmentalizing shitty owners because that's what they are, but shitty owners with even worse motives. That's a really
0: hard thing to do. I,
1: I don't know where we'll, we'll be at, but I guess we'll find out and have to make those decisions in the months to come, won't we?
0: Yes, but as I said, like the we have to try and do something now. Except there is literally nothing that we can do. But but I do, yeah. As I well, said, I, I do think so, that we could do something about Mason Greenwood. If there's enough, like if there's a fuss in the ground and banners in the ground about Mason Greenwood, then that might encourage the board to say no to the manager. Because I just, I was uh, just, yes, the idea that we're soon in a situation where we're thinking, where are we going to play him? That these conversations are imminent. Like you can see it now, a tearful MUTV interview. And I'm not saying that nobody can be rehabilitated either. I'm just, I think what I'm just saying is that you don't have the right to play for Man United. And the behavior is enough for that privilege to be removed. Go somewhere else, rehabilitate yourself. Like this will follow you around forever. But I think it's also, I mean, it's almost like feels a little bit selfish, this one, because he'll, go somewhere else. And I feel like I'm sort of saying, I just don't want it anywhere near this thing of ours and go to go and be near this thing of someone else's, which I mean, it's not entirely logical, is it? Or entirely moral of us or me to be saying that and thinking that because it doesn't alter what he did. But I am still thinking, I don't want you anywhere near this thing of ours.
1: Yes, unfortunately, football is such a cynical industry that he will continue playing. Unless United said, well, you've got three years on your contract, you're going to sit there out, rossing away, not playing at all, which would be a very bold move, but one that they could have made already if they were going to do that. So I suspect that is not what's going to happen. Awesome. Great stuff. Nothing to talk about on the, the, nothing else to, no more details on the takeover front this week. I guess the due diligence process is taking place and, and there's some brinkmanship over who is going to, who's going to win out. And I, there's only three options, isn't it? It's Qatar, Ineos, or a partial Elliott funded buyout of, of the Glazer, the four Glazer siblings that don't want to be involved. That, that those are our options. They're all, bad some are less bad than others and and yeah that's where we're at but i i, I guess it's i th- i saw one report saying they didn't expect to th- this to be completed before may or june I, that's that sounds about right to me this kind of this kind of process takes a long time it is taking a very long time compared to the chelsea the chelsea bid but that's probably about right No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe. We've got a game in midweek then. Home to Brentford that's a must win I guess isn't it now that United lost third place and they're now fourth fourth and can't really
0: afford to slip up anymore no no yeah we we need to find a way of winning that game which I guess we should be capable of Redford aren't a bad team but we I mean I think that Luke Shaw's interview talked about the lack of effort lack of passion whatever and 10 half agreed i be very surprised if they were so wet again because i think generally when you get a performance like that you do you were you do get a reaction so i would expect us to win that game in midweek but it is yet yeah another game
1: uh, yeah, yet another game yeah they're just there aren't any breaks until united are out of one of the competitions somewhere so has been every... fired. oh has he wow not surprising, given how how bad the results are, but surprising in that they uh, they seem to be making all the public announcements that he'd be around for the long term. Nagelsman or Potter to Spurs then? See,
0: he should have gone to Spurs in the first place, Potter, really.
1: It seems more like his club.
0: I mean, Chelsea is not one that you would choose, but I, I guess he knew that his stock might never be higher, so he didn't really have options but to take that job. But... There were probably other jobs he'd have preferred.
1: Yeah, with less chaos, more like the Brentford, the Brentford kind of situation. In that they're they're, they're super data heavy, long term vision, play within their budget, uh, have a have a wealthy owner, but but uh, trying to build things, quite, and quite the right. And yeah, they they've done pretty well this season. What are they seventh at the moment? Good game against Brighton. Just recently the three all they got some players. I mean obviously Ivan Tony's got I think he's got seventeen this season now. Good forwards. Like a lot of what he does. But David in David Raya they've got a the the kind of complete opposite of David De Gea, a very proactive keeper who just loves using his feet. I mean he's very, very good with his feet. I mean De Gea uh, does
0: love using his feet, but just Just not save, well
1: to save to save things. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, and and I, I like what they got in midfield as well. Dam's probably not kicked on as well as... He was excellent, wasn't he, in the Euros when he replaced Ericsson, basically. Probably not kicked on as much as some people thought he might, but he's, he's had a pretty good season. Norgaard guard in midfield, all energy. They press from the front, kind of thing that United have struggled with. They struggled with it today, the Newcastle press. And so I think we know what kind of game we'll get. I guess the question is, from United's point of view, like how many changes will there be? Are they going to freshen things up? Does Martial come into the side now? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Now he's yes. Fit. he should do, shouldn't he?
0: Yes, yes, immediately. He he just offers so much more. He can hold the ball. He can run with the ball. He can, might score a goal. He might. And these are things like Val. Does, does Val have a league goal yet? Yeah, he doesn't, does he? He's got two in nineteen.
1: Yeah, but one against, against Forest and one against on Betis. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Amazing stuff. About If you play the rest of the season, will you score a league goal? So yes, anyway, Martial should come in. He, he made to like United better. His problems are obviously he's never fit, and when he is fit, it's a 9 out of 10 performance or a 2 out of 10 performance and very little in between. But uh, you saw immediately, he didn't have a big impact today, but he he immediately ran into the channel, Sydney, to create extra space, and yeah, I'd expect him to come the, in.
0: He was able to bring the ball out as well when he when he got on the ball in his own in United's area, I mean, he set an attack yes. in progress again, which is just something that Big Vout doesn't seem capable of.
1: Well, that's it with with Vout, That's the other weird thing about because the only argument for having him in the side is that he he helps bring others into play, but he barely touches the ball. So <laughs> I'm I'm just going to look up his numbers today because I'm going to say he probably touched the ball twenty times or something. He touched the ball ten times. There you go. Ten, 10 times. times. He came off on an hour. So, yeah, let, let's say, like, let's average it out over the 19 It would have been about 15. I mean, it's desperate, isn't it? So, is it really worth it for those 15 touches? So, yes. And, and then I guess the other question is in midfield, does Fred come in as a slightly more attacking option than McTominay or
0: Sarbitzer, one of the two? I um, didn't mind that we gave, that we played McTominay and Sarbitzer today because I felt like I wanted to see if Sarbitzer would be our the better of the... I say best, which obviously an advised term, the best of the Casemiro replacements. And I felt like McTominay came into this game with a bit of momentum. I mean, obviously, he didn't continue it, but it felt like a sensible thing to try and use it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's fair enough. I mean, you do think McTominay would have a better career outside of United. The arguments for keeping him as a squad player are, are sound. He's He is... A player that will give you a certain level of performance, but he starts way too many games for United. Oh well, maybe not this season, he hasn't, but historically he has. And and you, you kind of, if you think about what he produced for Scotland in midweek and the fact that he can score from midfield, you've given that sort of license not being played at six, you'd think he'd have a good career for a European chasing mid ranked side. Oh. Wouldn't you? But for United, it's it's really worked out. So we'll see. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Fred in there as a slightly more progressive option. And I I don't know whether Sancho did enough today in his thirty was... minutes or so to. He was to warrant any, Yeah, so, and, and I, I do tend to agree with you. I think Anthony actually carrying the ball is is very useful for United, and so he probably came off it. So, yeah, those are the kind of changes I'd expect. And and, and I guess Bruno in more of a natural number 10 role than, than he was today, pushed a bit further forward. Seeing him collect the ball on the edge of his own box. It's okay being the build-up guy, but you've got to build up to someone, and there was no one there to build up to. United, so I'd expect that as well. Those are probably
0: the changes, aren't they? Yes. I I think, yeah, Fred Fred is just, we know we We have these players who aren't without virtue, but aren't good enough. And I think that one of Fred and McTominay will probably leave in the summer, because assuming we sign the midfield player, someone will need to go because there just isn't the room in the squad. There won't be enough games, particularly given that, I mean, I'm not sure what we'll do with Mainu and Iqbal, but the fact that we're bothering to teach Iqbal, a new position, suggests that the, the powers that be think that he is good enough to play for United. And Mania also looks like he's good enough. It's just a shame those two guys are just a little bit younger than we'd like them to be. Yeah, yeah. We're going to end up signing someone to play their position, to go in front of them, when in a year they might be, they might be good to go. That's right. Yes, I think
1: they're a year away. At least. And they could do with some some game time. Ten Hag seems to be a coach that likes to keep some of these players around him. The ones he wants to have a look at. So Pelestri didn't go out and learn again. Neither Maynard or Iqbal have gone out and loan. A few have done. But it, it seems like the ones he kind of believes in or thinks may have an op- option. He wants them. He'd rather have them training with the squad than playing away. Of course, they have done loans where they have have the kids come back to train as well. And that kind of arrangement can work as well. Of course, when United is taken over by the Qataris and become part of a multi club model, then then that will be the route, I suppose. Sadly, but yes, I agree. Mainu and Iqbal both look like they have the kind of raw materials to 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 make a career for themselves at the top end. I don't think either already yet, honestly. I I'm not I I mean I, I see all the same clips that you guys do as well on YouTube and stuff like that, the highlight reels, and I think they're probably a, a bit misleading for, for being at Premier League level, but yeah, soon.
0: Yeah, I mean we've we we do not know, but I feel like what we saw what we saw after the after we beat Newcastle, ten half making a beeline for Mainu, where you could kind of see it looked like he was saying, This is gonna be you, like, look at this. You could you could have this. And it felt like you don't do that unless you think the player's got something.
1: Ah, there you go. I just noticed that Brendan Rodgers has been sacked as well.
0: How did yeah, I yeah, miss it's that?
1: Been, it's been quite, that was earlier. It's been quite a day. Quite the day. Yeah. So we've got Spurs, Chelsea and Lester all looking for a manager. And there, Ollie is sitting out there needing a job as well. There you go. <laughs> Okay, I guess that's it for now. We'll catch you in midweek. Dan has uh, no power in his house, so backers will see you in midweek instead. Mouse, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, like United on Wednesday. Please. If you like the show, the way you can support us best is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And it really doesn't matter what you say in that review either. You can say you'd rather we talked about Manchester City. And Liverpool, just hit those five stars. Many thanks.